0: Hello, my name's Peter Howard, at Pierre Howdy on Twitter. This is, in fact, a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. I am enjoying doing the introductions after the interview. Um, for a start, I know what's going to happen in the interview, and that kind of helps out <laughs> a little bit. Um, this week, I'm talking to Jared Wackley. Always seems like I'm reading that name wrong, but it's not. It's Jared Wackley or at Jared Wackley FF on Twitter. He's a member of the Dynasty Nerds website, podcast. Empire, really. He's the director of Scouting and Devi over at the Dynasty Nerds, at Dynasty Nerds. Um, I really enjoyed talking to him. He's more tapir-orientated, which I always think is good for a guest coming on to talk to me, who leans more the opposite way. We talked about his favorite prospect from the class, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. Um, we got to talking about the running back position in general, and how it projects into the NFL. And uh, finally, uh, we mentioned a few players that we really like that aren't getting as much mention. Jared had a really deep name I'd never even heard of before. Towards the end here, um, is really interesting to hear about a player who would not stick out in numbers that's so really standing out for Jared. So uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, you can check us out at Dynasty Crossroads on Twitter. Um, you can find me at Pierre Howdy. You can find Jared at Jared Wackley FF. As I already said, so that's probably pretty redundant. Either way, I'm glad you're back. We're back to a 30-minute podcast this week, apart from this introduction, which is going to push it over. So, again, like always, my things are my fault. But appreciate you coming in, and uh, yeah, let's just get straight over to the interview with Jared.
1: Yeah, um, I uh, went with the Wendy's yeah. breakfast today. I haven't tried that, but I did that today. I'm not gonna do it again. I think that was the bad a bad move.
0: That's a bad call, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, no. It's one of the things you're like af- afterwards, you're like, yeah, that, that was probably definitely a bad call <laughs> yeah. beforehand, to be honest. Yeah, for um, sure. who did you say you wanted to talk about? It was I'll talk um, about
1: Clyde Edwards Blair. He's not my top-rated running back, but he's my mo- he's like my favorite because he's so fun to watch.
0: I'm not gonna define favorite right? Like pe- let people choose choose it however they want, you know, to be sneaky. Um
1: so what what does favorite mean to you? Um, I don't know. Just like when I watch him play, he's exciting. So I'm interested to see where he goes in the NFL draft. Um probably gonna be like a third round pick, I would think, but he's gonna give some teams some crazy value as far as catching the ball. I think he's gonna be a PPR monster. And he does give some rushing the ball upside, like he's able to do it.
0: So I'm assuming he was fun to watch this last season because, you know, he's taken a while to get that role, which is fine. You know, that typically happens with running backs, right? Yeah, his freshman
1: year, he was behind like Darius Geis and then Daryl Williams, who are both on NFL rosters right now. But 2018, I'm surprised he didn't beat Nick Brissett, who didn't get drafted at all, um, as far as touching the ball goes. Probably should have. And maybe that's a coaching staff mistake. Or, like a lineage like, seniority type thing. But,
0: like with wide receiver, that's kind of the whole deal. It's like if you can't beat out this guy, then you're probably not good, kind of a thing, especially when, you know, and then you're just by age and you say some fancy things, but that's basically it. Like, you got to beat out the guy ahead of you. Yeah. And that means you're good or might be good. But the running back, I really don't find that. Like, I, I don't think that's true.
1: I get that feeling. And it, it could be like a coaching staff preference. Like, even LSU last year, they brought in a five-star running back, and John right. Emery, who everybody thought was going to overtake Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. But again... They gave the touches to the se- the seniority player. Because I see that in the NFL, that
0: running back usage and opportunity can be so much a decision, right? I'm just going to use this guy because I like him. You I mean, it mean?
1: could just be an X's and O's type thing. Like, we don't know how – we don't know these guys' mental makeup between the ears. You know, there's a lot that can go in between standing behind the quarterback, wow. knowing which guys you need to pick up in pass protection, um, you know, what, what the play call is. What the front is in the defensive line, and how many guys are in the box. A lot of things are going through these guys' heads. And when they're first entering the NFL, you know, it could be a new scheme, new offense, new terminology. Could take a year or two before some of these guys can get up to speed, depending how smart they are. You know, not every, not all these guys are like, you know, brainiacs or anything. Um, some of them are. I'm not saying it; these guys are stupid right. or anything. But um,
0: it almost doesn't compare. I mean, you can be as smart as you want; it doesn't mean you're going to be able to be good good at sport. Um, right. So it's a different kind of not intelligence, but it's it's got nothing to do with it. I agree.
1: Yeah, but that, that mean that that could be a factor um, for sure. You know, some of these guys they can trust more to do their assignment. Right.
0: Yeah, I, I like to remember. There's a lot more going on on a football field for real football or playing the position. Like
1: yeah. that's the
0: thing for me about um, receiving work in college for running backs. Cause it's difficult to find anything that's really predictive into the NFL, but players do seem to be used for the kind of role they were used in for college, if you know what I mean? So mm-hmm. if they don't have a large receiving role in college. They typically don't pick it up in the NFL. I mean, there's a few exceptions, so it does happen, but typically it's Adrian Peterson. You know, They don't switch over, and I can't believe it's because Adrian Peterson, this athletic marvel, can't figure out how to catch a ball. (laughs) I think it's because there's so much more going on. You know, it's running a route versus just being there when the quarterback desperately needs someone versus being aware of defender while also trying to track a ball, like all the stuff that I can't imagine uh, that even goes into
1: it. I don't really have any of these running backs in this class graded as elite in many of the different categories, except for Clyde when it comes to receiving. Um, Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's like one of the few guys that I have graded out as elite in a specific category, kind of like a Theo Riddick or a James White, like we've seen have success, like a Tariq Cohen, but I think he's a better runner. Than all three of those guys I just mentioned. Maybe we could comp him to kind of like an Austin Eckler.
0: Oh, really? He's a little bigger than Eckler, but so is everyone. Yeah, but right. The way I've been trying to define role is looking at the percentage of their yards, like their total yards, how much came from receiving, and how much came from rushing. And it's not predictive; it's not meant to like tell you how good they are at running routes, for example. But it does tell me like where most of their production was coming from, or where how much of it. And um, yeah, Clyde looks pretty good. Like um, his rushing, the percentage of his yards that came from the rushing game was about 79%, which mm-hmm. leads a very nice chunk that's coming from the receiving game. So he's clearly playing a receiving role. Jonathan Taylor, on the other hand, it's like 5%. Right. And you said none of these running backs like grayed out as elite to you, but I have to say, despite that, despite that one of the most valuable things is kind of missing from Taylor's profile, in his last year, it spiked up, but even his best season isn't doesn't compare well to pass-catching running backs in the NFL or three down backs. But like, Jonathan Taylor got a score pretty close to Saquon Barkley, according to my, you know, I hate using, are there are words you get sick of saying. It's like database <laughs> yeah. and model. Right. Like, model I is like. I don't want to say them anymore. I know. have <laughs> lost all meaning. I know what um, you mean. So Jonathan Taylor definitely is an elite. I think I know that. But he does score pretty well compared to like a Bar- like a Barclay, who definitely is elite.
1: Yeah. I mean, there are people that are using the term elite with Taylor. It might just be my subjective opinion. I think he has very, very good vision. Great. You could even say great vision. Um, so I'll just kind of tell you how I break my guys down. Um, so for each position, I have like maybe like 10, 8 to 10 different categories of how uh different attributes that apply to that position um i grade them from a 1 to 10 scale 1 being worst ever 10 being <laughs>
0: <laughs> 10 nice being and i like it
1: elite 9 incredible like 6 is an average nfl player 4 is an average college player that's kind of like how i go up and down on my scale so jonathan taylor has like a 9 in vision which is incredible but not elite but it's it's right on that um right right it's right on that fringe for me and i think a lot the good thing of people... about a
0: the good thing about 10 point scale is like it's really like even i can understand what you're trying to say right it's not there but it's pretty good <laughs> right? right i got you yep.
1: yeah i was using like a one to 100 scale at first and i was like <laughs> this, this is leaving way too much room for right. subjectivity in here because I, I was giving some guys like 76 and 72 and i'm looking back at him like i don't even know what that means so i had yeah to really right wh- wh- why did i give the four instead of yeah. the two i don't know really what <laughs> mood was i in that day <laughs> right yeah watching tape you know it's not objective it's subjective and i feel like that's the big uh gripe between like quote-unquote data guys and tape guys you know
0: um i know ray had a good point um the other week like i never thought about it but people honestly think that um data-driven analysis is more objective i don't think that's the case because well it can be it can be but i don't think with prospect evaluation the best way of going about it is to not like i intentionally layer on a whole bunch of subjectivity after i've compared them as objectively as i can by looking for you know those model things and stuff and then mm-hmm. I look at it and just even common sense, like um, what, sorry, I just know wide receiver better, but like I've got sorry. Donald Mooney scoring really well in this class and Quintus Cipher scoring really well in this class, mm-hmm. and there's just no way they should belong between Jerry Judy and Denzel Mims. So That's just some good old common sense, you know. Right. But it's also subjectivity. Like you you look at the results and you go, nope. Down you go, well below MIMS. But yeah, with running back, it shows up a little bit more. Sorry, I keep dragging this over to wide receiver. There is more going on in the field and where opportunity, which is really what I'm searching for most of the time, like who's pushing people out the way, who's creating space around themselves, mm-hmm. just works differently at running back. I think it's a little harder to see. How much does a combine wait for you? Like it used to be running a 4-6 and we'd be like, ah, Clyde sucks. But now we know better, right? It's like, it's okay because he's also pretty big. He's thick Um, and got a good BMI.
1: So uh, Combine, like last year, I let it affect my decision-making a little too much, I think. Um, And just being a football player in my past and like knowing what goes into actual game, like the Combine really doesn't play that much of a factor, like. These guys are in their underwear, running straight lines, and right, right, right. You know, of course, they're they're trying to do it just to get everybody into the same drills and like trying to be objective with the testing as possible to kind of sort guys around, which is fine. But as far as like fantasy production and us making our grades, I don't let it really weigh in uh, too much, other than like eliminating people, like if they run like an Elijah Holyfield forty or something like that. You know what I mean?
0: I made a combine score because everyone cares. Um yeah. about it more than I do, but he grades out fine, you know. Um Okay.
1: Yeah, he had a pretty good vert. I think it was like thirty nine inches Probably. and then he had a ten foot broad. Right. It's good, good enough for me. Like I wasn't expecting him to come out blazing like a four four or four five. I was just thinking four six. Um so he kind of hit that, check the box for me. I was like, oh, ah, yeah, that sounds about right.
0: Yeah, it's all that subjective squinting, you know, like the average top twelve running back runs a four five. So you squint and four six is fine. Especially when you know like the because it's an average number, there are plenty of players over that and plenty of players below that. You're just kinda like, Yeah, yeah, it's fine. Um they're normally two seventeen on average and he's two oh seven. BMI of thirty, he's got a BMI of thirty two. It's all nothing to object to, you know, even his speed score based on his height and his weight. It's close enough. It's close enough. He's good. He ticked the box. I'm, I'm fine. And um, if you wanted to rank on athleticism, he wouldn't win. But like you said, there's other things on this profile. Like he's clearly a receiver. He's mm-hmm. playing that rather well in college. I really do think like, and that makes sense to me. And this is someone who's played, you know, coaches more than I do for this sport. So like, does this make sense? Like, I don't think a coach is going to spend all this time watching tape, occasionally listening to a nerd who's got something to say he's got a job so i have to listen to him then go to the <laughs> then go to the combine and then go to the nfl draft and pick a player and then go i'm gonna try and get him to do something i haven't seen before from him like it makes sense to me they would draft running backs to do what they do not right to make them do something new am i too off on that well no NFL- you're
1: 100 correct like that they're gonna use him to his strengths and i believe lsu use Clyde Ed- Edwards-Hilaire to his strengths uh, which is catching the ball and getting the guy in space space uh, like you asked me to talk about my favorite my favorite player for this rookie class and um, it's not because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire is my RB1 or anything but he's just right, extremely right. exciting to watch because he's a quick twitch running back like so what I mean by that is when there's penetration in the backfield and there's a guy that kind of busts through a hole, the O line breaks down. Like he just has a natural instinct to make the guy miss with a spin move, a juke. Like it's crazy. Like he is so good at that. It's not really a teachable trait, just something that he has in his game. And then his hands are just so smooth. Um, and his route running ability out of the backfield is just so smooth because that quick twitch ability transitions into that trait too so just some things that he does way better than the other guys in the class that make him special to me and that's how they're going to use him i assume is
0: this a deep running back class i mean i've got clyde down here and i hate him down there and i'm moving up in my ranks because i know better than my model screw you model you don't know what you're talking about (laughs) numbers
1: It, it really doesn't um like, I'm I'm convinced of this arrogance. I think it's a deep class. I think there's a lot of guys that are going to be able to come in and produce right away. Just naming guys, Jonathan Taylor, J.K. Dobbins, Swift. Exactly right. Those are three solid running backs that I think you can confidently draft and expect a top 24 running back season next year. Cam Akers is a guy that has a high ceiling. Uh talked about him a lot. I've had him at my like RB4 right now as far as his talent goes. Uh, He was a quarterback in high school, and I think it kind of shows a little bit when he's running. His vision is lacking sometimes, but he's got some crazy, crazy athleticism, and he makes some plays that I'm like, wow, if he can do this on a consistent basis, he could be special in the NFL.
0: Yeah, I was listening to the DLF podcast, and they were saying, like you were saying about Clyde, that Cam Akers has a natural or a smooth receiving ability. And Mm -hmm. again, that doesn't show up for me. Do you think that's true, too?
1: Cam Akers. Cam Akers. Yeah, I think I think he's a great receiving uh, threat out of the backfield. He he's a smooth path pass catcher. He's able to make adjustments with his body and stuff that you don't really see like a Keyshawn Vaughn or Jonathan Taylor doing, for example. But I mean, there's a lot of good running backs in this class that can catch the football. Swift and Dobbins are good at it. Um, Zach Moss is actually, believe it or not, he's not this, like, sexy athlete, but (laughs) he's a pretty good pass catcher out of the backfield, too. And he's another running back that's a solid, solid player. can probably come in and contribute.
0: This depth actually kind of confuses and worries me. Like, you don't normally get running back and wide receiver classes happening at the same time. Mm -hmm. And when they do, like, both are a little muted. But that's just looking at history, you know. What does history know? Screen history. Um, Do you get any sense of that? that
1: Yes, I do believe that. Uh, Um, I think this class is very deep, but as far as like top heavy, like elite caliber players, kind of like your Julios or Saquons coming out, I don't know that there is really any. I know a lot of people think C.D. Lamb might be that and he might be, but I don't really have him graded out as like a Julio elite type of guy.
0: Wide receivers again. It's kind of like a, like regular as well. Like if I can see a profile that maybe is hiding upside, but yeah. honestly he's got some strong questions, but I, I've spoken about him already.
1: I love um, regular too. Right there with Ray on that one. How's uh, Rico Dado look in your database? He's uh, running back from South Carolina. I'm, my tape grades on him are higher than most people he didn't really he he i think he had like 600 yards or something rushing last year 500 yards he's he shared a backfield um but when i watch the tape this kid he's got some he's got some traits there for for him that i think could ha- lead him to some s- success
0: okay yeah he's towards the end here has okay. a really good combine <laughs> score yeah he does um, um four five six 71. What is that? Inches and 213 pounds. Yeah. He big Um, pretty good speed and highly adjusted speed score. That's what's showing up there. Yeah. Um, for me, he's
1: like, he, he's got great burst. He sees the holes. Well, um, he's able to make guys miss. He played in the SEC. He's got good size. I just think he's a solid player that people need to pay attention to more he's he's not really That's getting any any respect no um
0: i can tell you the reason he's not showing up is his combine score is good but um he never had the role by the look of it like his best dominator in the role is like 20 percent, and his efficiency is like poo it's yeah, like it two is yards per team yeah. pass attempt mm-hmm. um but his split interestingly enough is good like he's got 80 percent of his yards of rushing 18 and um, is his average receiving yards percentage and in that, that's a percentage of his yards, not team yards. So like, again, his role looks solid if he got an opportunity and he's athletic. So I, I can say that yeah. about him. He just never had, he didn't do it he's, in college. So I don't know, don't know what he is. That's interesting. He's one of those no. guys
1: that's going to fly under the radar, probably get maybe picked in a day three. He could go undrafted. Um, and I figured he would be lo- lower in your model or uh, your spreadsheet and your database. But uh, he, he's somebody I've talked to, like with Ray. Ray Ray's pretty high on him, too. He thinks he's pretty talented. yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Like um watching it, it's much more about seeing a player
0: you think could do it if he could get the role. Yeah. Whereas numbers are much more seeing who got the role, who is actually good. There's a difference between watching it. You're much more able to go. This guy's got an interesting skill set. He's not on the field enough. So you don't know. I'm running back. That's probably especially more useful because like we said, it could be a coaching decision. Maybe he just I know. Maybe Rico just really rubbed the coach the wrong way and he never gets to, <laughs> never gets to be the lead back. And then only you and Ray and would know about him. Well, actually, we don't know about him because you guys are sick enough to like tell us all about him. So <laughs> we're like, oh, thank you. Good. Thanks for putting in those hours there, Jared. I, I appreciate
1: it. <laughs> <you." laughs> yeah, too many hours.
0: Um... But talking about the hours I spend on a database, like screw that, man. How many hours does it take to grind through this many rookie prospects (laughs) when you're watching games, entire games?
1: A long time, man. Yeah. Uh, Luckily, we've put together like a prospect film library over at Dynasty Nerds where we have like a team that has been cutting up specific cut ups for specific players. So, like, there might be a tape that I need to watch on Rico Dotto. That's all his only the, the plays that he's on the field and it would take me like six minutes to get through it without rewinding it, and everything. Yeah. But. I
0: think DLF has created like a, a resource for finding tape. And then you've got Ray doing videos where he yeah. highlights fastest speed score on YouTube. Like he's doing a lot of great work over there for DLF right now. It's really cool the way you guys all like simplify that for us. And
1: yeah, it's nice to have in the community. I know the FF astronauts have some stuff going on, on YouTube with that. And yeah, Ray, Ray helped put that film library, Together at DLF, and he's got a lot of quote unquote all 22 tape. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah.
0: Thank you. I appreciate you. (laughs) You're not a tape guy, so just making sure. No, no, it's fine. Um, (laughs) And yeah, it's part of the, you know, just in case anyone really thought there was a decent analytic film hatred, it's like, if you do any of this, you realize how, exactly how many hours people are putting in. Like, <laughs> yeah, <it's laughs> Why, why would it. I be against tape? It's like, cheers, dudes. I know exactly what it's like to spend time away from your kids grinding something. <laughs> like, I, I'm not going to throw shade at someone that's willing to put in that work. Really just to help me out. Like, It helps you and Zach and Dre out. Not at all to spend the, your time doing that and then giving all of us that value and we don't have to so like yeah come on, man. but you're sick i'm coughing up a storm so i kind of want to something i definitely want to talk to you about because it's really interesting work talking about putting in the time you do it with numbers too so mm-hmm. you're like you're the real sicko here don't talk about my sleep hands <laughs> um because you like i said you you ground basically a strengths of schedule for running backs in college which is harder to do because, like we said, the data is harder to get a hold of, hard to put apart. Now, as we know, strength of schedule is fairly unpredictive. It's not sticky. Mm-hmm. But we're trying to get all the information we can. And, I, like, I appreciate it. If you can appreciate what it is, then it's helpful just for your own safety. Like, who really stood out as having a weak and a strong schedule? I know you put out that tweet, but, I, like, I want to hit too.
1: I was really high on Cam Akers for a while, and he's a guy that kind of suffered from having a very – poor o-line one of the worst o-lines in uh, college football last year according to football outsiders they ranked his offensive line in terms of line yards at 120 which is like i think i think the lowest is like 130 or something like that in the ncaa so it's it's down there so what i did was i wanted to put some context to who florida state's offensive line was going against in terms of rush defenses so I took the rush defensive rank week to week, and I subtracted that from the, the running back's offensive line, line yards rank on Football Outsiders. So my theory was if um, throughout the season they had a high positive number, then that running back's offensive line was way better than the rush defenses they, they went against. So they were helped out more, and it provided some context maybe to the, some, to the numbers. In that, Cam Akers came back, with a low negative 609, which means that his offensive line was worse than the rush defenses that the, he was going against. So he had a tougher schedule, for instance, in this, um, which wasn't surprising to me just watching. I was like, damn, this, this line stinks. Uh, <laughs> a guy like Travis Etienne, who decommitted, but um, he was high up when I did this. He, he was looks like
0: good a, for next year. Yeah, yeah
1: he was a 1,000. So his O-line was way better than what he was going against. Uh, J.K. Dobbins was like 570. Jonathan Taylor is 418, so kind of in the middle. DeAndre Swift, 400, kind of in the middle there. Zach Moss is 500. Your boy Eno was 114, um, so kind of neutral. I will say it does remind me,
0: we used to try, and I think they still do a little bit, but with DFS and the NFL, we used to do a similar process looking for what do we call them? Run and pass funnels, like basically subtracting numbers from each other mm-hmm. um, and then looking to see which one was high or low. So it encourages passes or rushes to that defense. Eventually, I was trying to track that because I was trying to get better at DFS. And then um, Josh Hernsmeyer, like took the data from me, like, come here, kid. <laughs> and, and dad came along and tested and it was like, no. That doesn't work. It's like ah, oh. <laughs> um, but it, it it's educational. You know, I, I enjoyed the research. And one of the things, one of the reasons I think is that the O line and the ranks we put on O lines and defenses are trying to rank different things. And so minus you're trying to minus two numbers created from different scales almost. Yeah. Um, and while fantasy outside is is amazing resource, everyone should check it out if you haven't already. Like, they're not trying to do this, and you kind of have to keep that in mind with the numbers. And so sometimes they're lying to you. And also just digging through that work for DFS, one of the things I started to wonder is, like, with Cam Akers, he's got terrible offensive lines, so that leads to him having to make more plays, which makes him look better. Yeah. because he's in the situation where he has to. So it doesn't necessarily mean that Akers is better than Travis Etienne, um, right. because, and so he looks better when you watch him, but that doesn't mean that Travis is bad. He's just got a better right. situation. And there's also some cross variance here, like, like a lot of the good running backs grade out with good offensive lines when we don't necessarily think they have, because the running back is so good, it's making the offensive line look good, or the quarterback is so good, it's making the grade come out higher because of the number of pressures they're allowing and not allowing. Not everything has to be predictive, though, or perfectly line up. As long as you understand stuff, like there's some noise in here, like Akers line might be getting, might be over-evaluating what Cam Acres is worth, what to someone else, and Etienne's might downgrade him more than necessary. Just the stuff we, you and I literally just said, then it's fine to notice that Cam Akers was in a worse situation, Vaughn was in a worse situation, and Eno had a neutral one. Like it's yeah. not predictive, but I think it's really interesting context. Did Seeing it change that. your opinion on anyone or alter
1: it? Not really, honestly. Okay. Um, it's just like, yeah, <laughs> like, and if out. anybody wants to, like, maybe work more on this i'll be happy to send you the spreadsheet and on twitter and you can like run some regression analyses and go back (laughs) i have all the formulas here for you it's not really my thing so stop being so nice man it's really hard to hate your tape grinder when he's being nice um (laughs) find it interesting it's uh not often you can tickle the fancy of the great peter howard
0: oh god that's a thing now um <laughs> the great Peter Howard. I've heard myself referred to three times this week that way, and I'm like, I can't like it actually. It's funny. Are you gonna
1: <laughs> rebrand your Twitter avatar? I saw you it's using the, the great uh, Peter are you gonna leave your Twitter avatar that, that uh drawing that uh no? I switched it back. It was just for a day. I can't
0: give up my homer, man. I don't know why it feels and, like uh,
1: it's a brand now.
0: Uh, I guess. Um, but it's also just I I I process Twitter so much through avatars, like, oh, that's that's uh, poorly sleepers talking, and there's my reply to him. I like, agree. you do it visually. I spend a lot of time digging back through because people will ask me something, I'll be like, I just posted a picture of that. Let me go find it. Like, I love Bobby's drawing. It, yeah. Um if anyone doesn't know, Bobby Koch back to school and he went to business school and he had to do a project where he would draw like the ideal consumer for the brand he was creating and it just turned out looking like me with a Budweiser so, <laughs> um yeah I, I, I switched my avatar for a day and it was a lot of fun like I love Bobby and that yeah. picture was just hilarious and um, but i I just can't give up my Homer, especially after Jake fiddled with it, and so it's got like a <laughs> i don't I don't know about picture editing, but you have to have a certain amount of bits in there or something, so it actually is clear, <laughs> yeah. and Pickle. he did that for me, yeah. and then he put the little d l f logo on it and like nah, it's good, it's good Homer can rent me <laughs>
1: But uh, for the record, we were talking about Keyshawn Vaughn and stuff. Um, so I have him in my top five, actually. He's, uh, he's in my awesome. second tier with Cam Akers, Keyshawn Vaughn, and then Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. That's my tier two. Tier one would be Dobbin, Swift, and Taylor kind of like everybody else
0: I always like it when a guy shows up pre-draft because that's almost my sleepers that's where my sleepers come from because if they get drafted low they go to a bad situation they're going to get pushed I think pre-draft what we're mostly judging is how good they were in college and I how much does that keep being a factor for you for me I hold on to it for the longest time like Justin Jackson I still hear his name and like he's good (laughs) he's done very little and when he got the opportunity in the nfl he didn't quite impress he did he did okay with it but still want to hear his name i'm like oh yeah he's good i want him because i I still remember pre-draft he was grading out well like do you how long do you hold on to that stuff
1: um i don't know if i have any like certain like cutoff point or anything in my head and like, you shouldn't like when you like really like a guy and they go to a shitty situation they never really get the playing time you're like no he was good he just didn't get the opportunity like yeah, yeah i don't know you never know what's going on like in between the years with these guys too like we never get the chance to sit down and talk with them at least most of us don't so
0: someone i think it was a ner- i think it was a dynasty nerds podcast speaking to your brand here yeah. and was talking about how running backs always has some value on a dynasty roster because they could just end up with a workload. Coaching decision injuries happen. Mm-hmm. And if that ever happens for a running back, we're more likely to amp them up because running backs are harder.
1: With an injury, if an injury happens, running backs, their backup's more easily to predict that he's going to have a good week, whereas like the receiver that fills in for an injured receiver, it's, it's way less predictable as they're, if the balls are going to go to him or not. You know? like you know he's going to play running back he's going to have that role on the team so he's probably going to have value that week That's why I like i like to fill up on like those running backs in like the fourth round of rookie drafts or maybe the like third round just so right. those guys those are usually the guys you get that are like fill ins for weeks and then at it- try to uh, flip them for like a second round pick at that point you know
0: i don't know man but like i'm a big wide receiver fan and this has been bugging me lately like i was thinking of all the dynasty theory that i've got in my head Mm -hmm. when am i meant to draft wide receivers like you draft running backs uh, and quarterbacks early if it's super flex (laughs) and you know positional value and then late just grab all the late round running backs because what we just said like Mm -hmm. when am i meant to it's like the second round right i'm only meant to take wide receivers in my second round never Never do okay. it. Never okay. uh, <laughs> that, I break it that rule a lot. <laughs> um, right. Is there anything what else you, you want to tell people me? about uh, your work at Dynasty Nerds or um, anything else you want to tell people about before we get out
1: of here? Uh, sure. Um, we have uh, a film stream that we do every Wednesday night. Last night we did J.K. Dobbins, Jonathan Taylor, and uh, DeAndre Swift. I'm on there with Nick Whalen and Dynasty Price, Garrett Price, um so we we host that on twitch youtube periscope it's all on all the platforms facebook uh every wednesday night we usually do it like 10 30 last night we went at 10 because we did three guys uh but when we cut it up we put it up on youtube in case you guys missed it but definitely check that out it's on the dynasty nerds youtube channel um myself um i have my Devi. i'm starting to do Devi work now um i'm the head of Devi at dynasty nerds we're trying to get little more into that space i started my own Devi podcast because i just like talking about prospects it's what i'm passionate about so i don't really have a set schedule when i release things so i just kind of release them whenever i feel like it. it's called the devy spotlight so subscribe to that i have it pinned to my twitter account and follow me on twitter at jared Wackerly ff i really appreciate you having me on peter it's been fun
0: i really appreciate you coming in man it's nice to talk to someone about these players because you know you, you yeah, can get fun. in your own head just sitting there working on it by yourself. So I really appreciate you talking to me about it.
1: Well, you've helped me out a ton since me kind of coming into this space. Yeah, I've I've always been able to hit you up and be like, hey man, what what do you think about this? And you shot me like articles and stuff for me to read. So appreciate you. Appreciate all the work you did. I love I love listening to Dynasty Crossroads. So I'm really happy that I was able to come on here. I need
0: Jake back. Cause people say such nice things and they're kind and I need I need people to stop doing that. Thanks guys. Uh, we're gonna get out of here. Appreciate you listening to the crossroads and I will talk to you again next week.
2: Yeah Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter risk gold, play run phone, so Jake on the table and they on a the play so beating the more it's a plaza analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that Picking their brains, got their in lanes, but I like that Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight Back and forth, there is no order They disorder more and more because the players ain't no older They some hoarders or some mortars Dropping bombs without no borders Stick out that eye, I like mortar Peak grinding numbers like molars I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroad. Chicken or crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run So Jake on the table and they on the place. though Pete and It's a the place they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road. Go clicking a pole, Twitter is gold, play run So Jake on the table and they on the place. though Pete and It's a the place they analytical.